Four Legal English Podcast is now in session. On today's docket, Law in Practice, Becoming a Lawyer in the United States. I'm Timothy Barrett, your host at the Four Legal English Podcast. This is episode 002. Please give us five stars and leave a comment. Welcome to the Four Legal English Podcast. This is the show for lawyers, law students, and other professionals from all over the world who want to improve both their legal English and legal knowledge. On the docket today, law in practice. How to become a lawyer in the United States. Now first, I want to point out this is for basically non-lawyers in the United States. This is, we're not going to discuss foreign lawyers trying to move to the United States and then become a lawyer. If you're interested in that, please comment on the post for this podcast and let us know that you're interested in that. We can certainly do that in a future episode, but that's a little bit different. This episode, we're going to look at how does one, you know, if they're from the United States or living in the United States, how do they go to law school become a lawyer? This is a common question when I talk to a lot of foreign lawyers or foreign law students. They often ask this or they also often have questions about it. So I think it's good to take a few minutes and just kind of go through some of those details. Some of the things in the United States are quite different than how it is in other countries. One of those is that in the United States, we don't have an LLB. We don't have a Bachelor of Law. So if you want to become a lawyer, you don't get a bachelor's degree in law. You can't do it but you do need a bachelor's degree. Now, it doesn't really matter what your bachelor's degree is in. There are some programs uh, such as criminal justice or pre-law, legal studies, you know, something like that, but a lot of lawyers recommend not to major in those types of fields. It's much better to major in something that is interesting to you and that you'll do well in. Now, it could be something like history, political science, economics, or something technical, you know, if you want to get engineering or philosophy, you know, it doesn't really matter. Certain majors may help you. For instance, if you want to specialize in medical malpractice or some type of medical law, then it may make sense to major in nursing or biology or pre-med, something like that, so you'll understand those, those issues. You'll have a much better understanding than the lawyers who have a bachelor's degree in history, for example. If you want to be a patent attorney, then maybe you want to get an engineering degree. You'll be able to understand the patents much more than if you got a degree in economics. Depending on what area of law you want to practice in, there are some majors that are going to be much more helpful. However, for most lawyers, when they look back on it, their major doesn't really affect their law practice very much. It's the minority for, for that to, not to be true. However, you do need certain skills from your undergraduate degree how to read, how to analyze what you're reading, and how to write. If you can get those basic skills that traditionally were taught in almost any liberal arts degree, then those are important skills that you're going to need in law school. After you complete your bachelor's degree, you can apply to law school. Or you can work for a couple of years. A lot of students before they go to law school will get some work experience. It could be one or two or three years. But there are a lot of law students that will get maybe five or five or ten years of work experience before going back. And this is fairly common. 
you'll also get some law students that may be quite a bit older, maybe have 20 years of experience. That is not common, but it's common to have one or two or three of those in the law school. Each class probably has a couple of those type of students. So let's talk about ages real quick. When you graduate high school in the United States, you're probably 18. When you graduate with your bachelor's, if you do it in four years, you're 22. So some law students will start law school when they're 22. But like I said, it's probably more common that you would start 23, 24, 25. And you get a lot of law students that might, might start when they're in their late 20s or early 30s. That's not very uncommon at all. So as a result, lawyers tend to be a little bit older from the United States than in some countries where maybe you just need the bachelor's. So at 21, 22, you might be a lawyer. At the United States, it's probably more 25 to 30-ish, maybe even 25 to 35 range. When you apply to law school, you have to take the LSAT, the Law School Aptitude Test. There are some law schools where this might not be mandatory, but for most of them, they acquire the LSAT. This is an objective test trying to test your logic and how well you will do in law school, trying to predict how well you will do in law school. For most law schools, when they're considering admissions, they will look at your GPA from your undergrad, your bachelor's degree, your LSAT score, and then other factors. It could be diversity factors, your work experience, other life factors, you know, what, what makes you a little bit different than every other applicant. And those three kind of categories go together, and then they'll, they'll decide who they admit and who they don't admit. Most law schools in the United States are approved by the ABA, the American Bar Association. To get approved, they have to jump through certain hoops with the ABA, and then they will be approved. If they are approved, then most states will recognize that law school. So if you go to an ABA-approved law school and graduate, then you are eligible to take the law exam in any state in the country. Now, there are some law schools that are only in that one state. This is fairly common in California, which is a huge state, a huge market, obviously. So they have some law schools that are not ABA approved. So if you graduate, you can take the bar in California, but you might have difficulty taking it in a different state unless they've specifically approved that law school. There's another one in Massachusetts that's like that as well. But like I said, most law schools are ABA approved. So you can graduate and then take the bar exam in any state that you want. Law school itself is three years. The first year is often heavily regimented, depending on the law school. For the first year, you usually are in one cohort. So in all of your classes, you have the same students. So you get to know those students pretty well. And then after the first year, you get to pick more and more classes and more electives. So it's less uh, regimented. After three years, you'll graduate with a JD, a Juris Doctor, a Doctor of Jurisprudence or Doctor of Laws. And with this, as long as the school is ABA approved, you can apply to take the bar exam. Each state has a state bar, and they will administer their own bar exam. For most states, this is a two-day exam. So you'll have an exam in the morning, in the afternoon, then you'll come back the next day for a morning and afternoon session. Really, you're taking four exams. Some of those might be kind of a nationwide exam or a multi-state exam where it's not specific to your state's law, but usually one or two of the exams are going to be specific to your state's law. If you're taking it in New York, you need to know New York law. If you're taking it in Florida, you need to know Florida law. Now, you cannot practice law without a license, and you get that license by being a member of the state bar. 
So if you take the Florida bar exam and you get admitted to the Florida bar, you can practice in Florida. But you have no rights to practice law in California or Alabama or Washington or New York. You can only practice, you're only a lawyer in Florida. Now, some states will have reciprocity. If you're a member of the bar in state X, then we will recognize you in our state. So if you want to become one of a lawyer in our state, then we'll allow you to do it without taking the bar exam. Other states will have a setup like New York and New Jersey do this, where most uh, bar exams are on the same two days throughout the country. But New York and New Jersey, they will have like one day in common. And then I forget which is which, but New York will have the day earlier. And then New Jersey has the day after that day in common. So you can take New York and New Jersey bar over a course of three days. So you can get it done in one session instead of having to wait six months to take it the next half a year. If you are caught practicing law without a license, that can be a criminal offense. So you're going to have a crime on your record. And that alone might prevent you from becoming a member of the bar. Besides the bar exam, the bar will investigate your character and fitness. So they'll look at your moral character, if you have criminal record, if you have a record not paying your bills, things like that. And then they will determine, are you fit to practice law? Are you trustworthy? Are you honorable? And so for most people, if they don't have any background, if they're young and don't have any criminal history, it should be smooth. But as you get older, you have more and more jobs. There's more and more employers they need to contact and check. Uh, so it can be a very time-consuming process. And certainly uh, you want to get that all that paperwork that's required. And it can be quite a lot of paperwork on time so that they don't delay your admission to the bar. If they do, even if you pass the bar exam, you're waiting for the character and fitness to, to wrap up so to be admitted. When I took the bar, I took the Florida bar. And I remember we were in a big convention center in Tampa. And when I, I, I have glasses to see distance, when I look without my glasses, I just saw a sea of people. You know, we had like small tables, two people at a table. I was kind of at one end and I could look down. I couldn't see the other end. I mean, just uh, tables and people, tables and people, tables and people, just so many people. So it was very memorable for me. I also, during the break, I think during the lunch break, you're waiting to go back in. I was overhearing a couple of people talking and one lady was saying that this was, I believe, the seventh time that she was taking the Florida bar exam. And I, I would, my jaw dropped. It's like, I can't believe you're taking it seven times. And so it's kind of disconcerting to hear someone who failed it you know, six times previously. But this also made me think, why didn't she try another state? You know, Maybe Florida isn't for her. Maybe she should try the exam somewhere else. For I think all states only offer the, the bar exam twice a year, once in the summer, once in the winter. So if you fail it on the first time, that means you're, you're really not working, not working as a lawyer for six months. So to fail it six times, you're talking three years. That's the length of law school. So I think most people don't have that same problem. Let's talk a little bit about the bar or becoming a member of the bar. So as I said, each state bar has a bar association. The name might change, but it's basically the same thing. And it is mandatory. It's a mandatory bar association. If you want to be a lawyer, if you want to practice law in that state, then you have to be a member of the state bar. There are other bars that are what we call voluntary associations. These are not necessary to join to practice law. 
Uh, the biggest one is probably the American Bar Association, the ABA. They have a lot of influence. You'll hear them in the news somewhat. They have influence like lobbying for new laws, new regulations, things like that. But also they do a lot of things to help their lawyers, to help members of the ABA. But there are many other bar associations. A lot of bar associations are based on geography. So maybe in the state or in the county or in the city, or they based on uh, area of law. So it could be like a criminal bar association or a patent bar association or whatever area of law it is. Because it, it makes sense if you're doing this, you're focusing in this type of law, you want to connect with other lawyers doing that same type of law. It may provide training, continuing legal education in this area of law. They might have guides or books that you can purchase maybe at, at a discount or maybe online groups that you can access if you are a member. Sometimes that can be very valuable, especially if you're a new lawyer or if you're a solo practitioner to have access to uh, some more experienced lawyers or just to run some ideas by other lawyers can be a great resource. And we also have not just voluntary, but informal bar associations or just how we refer to lawyers. It could be like the local bar. Now, there's no membership or, or dues or anything like that, but we could mean the lawyers who are practicing law in this local area, usually the county. If you're outside of a big city, the local bar would be that county. Each county has its own courthouse. So who are the lawyers that work in this courthouse or around this courthouse in this area? So that would be the local bar. Or sometimes we'll refer to the local criminal bar. Doing prosecution or defense, you might talk about the local criminal bar. I hope this episode about becoming a lawyer in the United States was interesting to you. Did we talk about any new words or terms that you hadn't heard before? If so, go to our podcast post on thefourlegalenglish.com and comment. Tell us which words are new. And did we fully explain them or should we give a better explanation? If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us five stars and a positive review. Also check out our website, forlegalenglish.com. You can see the show notes on the podcast post for this episode, episode 002. You can also check out our other blog articles and available courses that will help you improve your legal English skills. For Legal English Podcast is adjourned. Don't miss the next docket call.